You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Rockies reporter, Thomas Harding. And, Thomas, we're not at the winter meetings yet. We'll be there in a couple of days, but the Rockies already filling some of their needs here before we even make it down to Florida for the 2017 winter meetings, as uh, it's announced here on Friday afternoon that they've inked Chris Iannetta, uh, agreed to a deal with Chris Iannetta to be their catcher. That was obviously one of the things they had to take care of. Uh, there was talk of maybe it being Jonathan Lucroy returning. But in the end, Chris Iannetta is the guy. Talk about this deal, how he fits with the Rockies. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because this just happened moments before um, we did this podcast. And what we're trying to find out on this is this. Um, he was Iannetta. Originally with the Rockies, he was on the 2017 that went to the playoffs and, I mean, World Series and also the 2019, um, has moved around a bit and kind of has a reputation for being able to handle young pitchers. He was with the Diamondbacks last year, but he was in a tandem with Jeff Mathis. So the question that I have is, you know, what the plan is with Ionetta now? I mean, they do have a couple of young catchers that uh, look like they could be good ones in Tony Walters. And also Tom Murphy, although he struggled a bit last year, this is a guy with a power bat. Um, so what happens? Does Ionetta come in as part of that tandem with, with one of those guys? Or do the Rockies continue to go after somebody like a Jonathan Lucroy that they had last season and have Ionetta as part of that tandem? That's the question we have. I mean, with Ionetta coming in, it, it, he's a guy that um, – Managers trust a bit. So it, it really makes a difference to a young staff. I know going into last season, they went with a young catching duo um, before they signed Ryan Hannigan. They had Tony Walters and also um, just young guys with Tony Walters. And that was through the first half, they were pretty good, but they just weren't quite able to get that young staff with young catching where they wanted. So that's why they went out and traded for Lucroy. Yeah, now they have another veteran to help. All right, so let's look ahead to those winter meetings a little bit. One thing checked off with catcher taken care of, but there are other things that this team needs to uh, to accomplish, not necessarily next week, but over the uh, course of this off season. And next week is obviously a big jumping out point to, uh, to do just that. Um, a year ago, they made a key move and, and signed a big deal with Ian Desmond. Do you expect this winter meetings to be a little quieter? Not necessarily, because they have that closer position open. And do they go after Greg Holland or Wade Davis? I know that they have talked to both of those guys in the time leading up to the winter meetings. Um, so will they be going with this um, long-term big-money contract? They stayed out of it last year, but that was because Greg Holland dropped into their laps. He was coming off of Tommy John surgery. Obviously, Greg Holland now, after a good year with the Rockies, will be looking for a multi-year deal. Wade Davis the same way coming out of the Chicago Cubs. Um, they've also made some contact with Brandon Kinsler. Now, looking at his style of pitching, he doesn't strike out guys the way that uh, you would expect your closer to, but you could see bringing him in as a primary setup guy to where if something happened to your closer, then you, then you go to him. Um, do, they, do they go after setup guys like that or veterans like that and try to stay in-house with, say, a, a, say a Carlos Estevez or even an Adam Adovino who came off of a rough year last year, or do they get into this 
free agent closer market where they um, tie themselves some multi-year deal to a pitcher. It'll be interesting to see what the Rockies do because after going to the playoffs last year, it may be a little bit different expectation. You know, you want to kind of have the ninth inning really settled with a guy you believe in. Another possibility would be a trade. I mean, a guy like uh, Alex Colomay with the Tampa Bay Rays, there's some control with him for the next few years, so you could get a good young pitcher and not spend what you spend on a Hollander Davis. So there are many options for the man, for the general manager Jeff Breidich. That's a great point. A year ago, they were able to wait and wait and wait and get Greg Holland really late in the game. But now that there is that added extra expectations on this team as a team that went to the playoffs, uh, you probably don't want to do that. You want to take care of business a little bit earlier. All right, let's look back on some winter meetings past. Uh, you have a story up on the site uh, right now, Thomas, about the 2000 winter meetings. That was the year that the Rockies made a big splash. Eight years, $121 million, the deal that they gave to Mike Hampton. Um, that was the big story of that winter meetings from a money standpoint. Unfortunately for the Rockies, his time in Colorado certainly did not last those full eight years. And this was a time where I think they thought they could bring in big-name pitchers to uh, to pitch in Coors Field. And maybe Mike Hampton was the, one of the first names, first big-name guys that has made them realize now that maybe it's better to develop these guys from within. Well, it's interesting because before Mike Hampton, if you remember, they had Daryl Kyle here. Daryl Kyle had pitched in Houston and then came to Colorado and ended up getting traded to St. Louis and helping that team go to the World Series. So you're, so the Rockies are sitting here thinking, um, hey, it didn't work that time, but they had come off of an 82-80 and 80 season. And what happened, in 99 they really struggled, uh, bottomed out a bit. And then, But then in 2000, uh, Dan O'Dowd was in his first year as general manager, and Buddy Bell was the first-year manager. They ended up winning 82 games, kind of piecing things together, using 25 different pitchers. So they're thinking, wait a second, maybe we can try again to settle the pitching. Not only did they sign Hampton to that unbelievable deal, but they also signed Danny Nagel for five years and $51 million. And so there is $172 million wrapped up in two pitchers. For the first half of that season, it looked pretty good. I mean, Nagel was, I believe, 5-3 and three at the break. Hampton was the first all-star in Rockies history, first all-star starting pitcher. Of course, we forgot about that because things went south pretty quickly. They actually, I think, were going south around that time. For whatever reason, Hampton couldn't have a consistent sinker here in Denver, and it looked like he was trying to just miss bats instead of attack hitters, and it all went to pieces in a hurry. Yeah, and then in two, uh, two seasons, 21 and 28 was the record for Mike Hampton, and then he was part of a, a big trade from there as the Rockies sent him and Juan Pierre and some money to the Florida Marlins. They got Vic Derensburg, Charles Johnson, Pablo Azuna, and Preston Wilson in return. So that's how the Mike Hampton in Colorado era came to an end. But it's always fun to look back on winter meetings past and the teams that kind of win the offseason and, and – win the season and how it all shakes out. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Uh, another note from the last week that I wanted to touch on with you, Thomas, is that Chad Bettis has collected another award. He wins the Tony Canigliero Award, obviously for his return from testicular cancer, and the Tony C Award named after the great slugger of the Boston Red Sox. Um, 
who was on record setting home run paces before he was struck by a pitch and his career was cut short after that. So the award goes to a major leaguer who has overcome adversity through the attributes of spirit, determination, and courage that were trademarks of Tony C. Just a neat award for Chad Bettis, who deserves so much credit for what he's been able to do in coming back. And I think he really inspired people in 2017. Boy, I have to say, I have to commend the people in Boston, the Baseball Writers Association, the local Sports Hall of Fame, and also Tony Canigliero's family, because that is one of not only the great awards just in baseball, but I think in all the sports. And, and, and what a story about Tony C., um, Back, you know, back in the day, I remember the famous Sports Illustrated cover where his eye is completely um, just swollen shut after being hit with a pitch. Chad Bettis, I mean, what can you say about that guy? He, he on his wedding anniversary, he received news that um, he had cancer, uh, testicular cancer. It was something he noticed right away, and they did surgery a few days later, but the cancer had spread to a lymph node, so he had to undergo chemotherapy. And this is, he is a guy that thinks things through in ways that other people just simply don't. So while he was ready to undergo chemotherapy, they explained to him, hey, there's a port that we insert into you, and that's where we deliver the medicine. And usually it's under the, under a collarbone. And um, Chad Bett is thinking, gee, which collarbone? And he asked the doctors, why not put it under the left collarbone? That way, in between treatments, he would go out and just do some throwing. And he, he greeted the team in Arizona during a regular season road trip. You know, he lives in Scottsdale, and he did his throwing program there, and everybody got to see him. His hair hadn't come back, but you saw the smile. And then a few months later, the beard, the hair, it's back. The throwing arm is back, and he um, throws seven shutout innings in his first game. Um, struggled a little bit down the stretch, but his last regular season game, he really shut down the Dodgers. And had the Rockies won in that wild card game against Arizona, he would have faced the Dodgers in one of the postseason games, and that story would have grown even bigger. But um, no matter what happened, his ability to fight through that and his attitude um, just rubbed off on a whole lot of people. It was a great thing. Absolutely, and he'll be uh, hope, hopefully he'll be a big part of this Rockies rotation going forward into 2018 and beyond. Uh, that's going to do it for this podcast. Next time we uh, do this, Thomas will be in person down in Florida at the winter meetings. I look forward to it next week. Definitely look forward to it. All right, that'll do it for MLB.com Extras, our Rockies edition for Thomas Harding. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week.